Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 86 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'id. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, Now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you are already a Muslim who wants to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, also, you guys can follow me on Instagram at with Wa'il. Again, with Wa'il, uh, you know, for any future announcements regarding the podcast, you know, the episode release dates and, uh, you know, the breaks and all these things. Uh, so with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic, we will talk about something that's very critical, which is the whole purpose of us talking about the biography of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, this season, which is what did we learn and what can we learn and how can we apply what we learned into you know our daily lives uh, before I, I i get you know uh, any further into today's topic i just want to have a, a quick announcement uh, and at next episode will be the final episode uh, of the season uh, and inshallah we'll take a break uh, uh, you know until uh, the january 2022 uh, and because, you know, again, the season is done. We will have, inshallah, what you can call the season finale, which is the death of Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, which is going to be a very, very emotional. I can tell you right now, it's going to be a very emotional episode. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, I have a lot of things to take care of, uh, you know, on a personal level. And also uh, preparing for the next season, inshallah, which has, I have, inshallah, prepared for you incredible topics and topics that a lot of you have asked uh, me to talk about, which is, for example, the destiny. We're going to analyze and talk a lot. It's going to be multiple episodes talking about destiny and what does it mean and how does it work. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about the world of the jinn and th- there's a lot to talk about, you know. So inshallah, it's going to be uh, an exciting uh, time. Again, it's always exciting when we talk about the religion of Islam. Wallahi, it never gets boring. It never, it's always exciting when this is from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah, that's that. Um, also, uh, now I want to talk to you guys about the whole purpose. Why did we talk about and focused on the biography of the Prophet ﷺ this season for multiple reasons. And I want to remind you guys, and I, I know I mentioned them before, but I want to remind you guys of the reasons why we, you know, um, focused on Prophet Muhammad's life ﷺ this season. And the number one is that we needed to know him more. We needed to know him better. You know, in order for us to be actual believers, we need to know and love Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And you cannot love someone without knowing anything about them. So I hope, you know, uh, that we are at this stage right now that we know enough about Prophet Muhammad ﷺ that we actually can love him. And you know, the simplest reason why should we love Prophet Muhammad ﷺ is that he is our guidance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, made him our 
guidance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assigned him with the task of giving us the revelation. The final message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The final religion. You know? And he gave it to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu to deliver it to us. And as we all know by now, that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu went through a lot to deliver that message to us. Persecution, punishments, you know, isolation, uh, exile, uh, even 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 a better you know better term, uh, 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 humiliation. So many things, so many things to deliver to us the message of Islam. And um, during the message of Islam, during the revelation, we learned so much from his personality. We learned so much how to be. The perfect human being. Now, we cannot reach that level, but we try as much as we can to do so. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is the perfect human being. He's still a human being. Don't get me wrong. We do not, you know, uh, uh, attribute divinity to Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu or we do not attribute superpowers to him. He is a man, a human being with miracles. But the miracles came from who? Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah is Allah Prophet Muhammad is still a man, but he is the best of mankind. This is not us claiming that. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us that he is khayrul alam. He's the best of mankind. You know, he is the best of mankind. He was sent as a mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in the Quran, I only sent Prophet Muhammad as, as a mercy to all of mankind. All of, not just the Arabs. For those who think Islam was just meant to be for the Arabs, nope. Islam was meant to be a worldwide religion. It applies on everyone. If it reaches you and you simply reject it because you're lazy or you don't want to, this is on you, right? So Prophet Muhammad is the perfect uh, you know, human being. And imagine to have the perfect human being as your role model. That's unfortunately something that a lot of Muslims lacking nowadays. The role models are celebrities and not the good ones. You know, not the the, the, the philosophers, the thinkers, the, the, the scientists. No, the, the, we're talking about like singers and we're talking about youth, mainly youth. Uh, singers, actors, and you know, it, it's, it's, they have the wrong role models and that's why we have a lot of issues with our youth in terms of lacking the religion. That's number one. Number two is that if if we if we follow the footsteps of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, just to follow a little bit, just take some of his mannerisms, some of his wisdom, some of how he dealt with people. Wallahi, we will be the best. We are the best nation in the sight of Allah. But we're talking about in terms of like, you know, status right now among people, we will be the best. Unfortunately, we're divided right now. Because a lot of us don't believe in the sunnah. A lot of us do not want to follow the footsteps of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Some of us do. Alhamdulillah, there is plenty. But the majority, it's it's just a difficult thing to do for them, I guess. So, again, but there will come a time, inshallah, that the Muslims will unite. We'll talk about this. This is, comes when it comes to, when we talk about the, you know, the signs of the Day of Judgment and all these things. So, again, I just want to summarize uh, very quickly. Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is the best of mankind, but he's still a human being. He made mistakes. 
innocent mistakes. We talked about those mistakes. You know, alhamdulillah, we revealed everything. We revealed everything. And again, another reason. Actually, that, that's a very important one too. We started talking about the biography of Prophet Muhammad Wasallam was what? The misconceptions. The Islamophobes. The ignorance who claimed certain things about Prophet Muhammad Wasallam and they took it out of context. Like, for example, him having multiple wives. Now, we can respond to those people. Alhamdulillah. You know, uh, him, quote-unquote, being a warmonger. Now we can respond to everybody who said that. Uh, you know, how he dealt with the Jews of Medina. Well, now we can respond to that as well. We have everything, alhamdulillah. And this is why, to me, this season is critical. When people attack Prophet Muhammad wasallam, now we know what to say and what, you know, how to respond. This is critical, wallah. Because a lot of people who know the theology very well, mashallah, when it comes to the side of history, when it comes to Prophet Muhammad wasallam. They, they, they are, you know, they don't know what to say. When someone attacks Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu or a behavior, quote unquote, like a, a controversial incident uh, involving Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu people, Muslims, by, by, I don't want to say the majority, but a lot of Muslims don't know how to respond. And how I do, how do I know this? A lot of people email me, and that was also part of the motivation of me making this season, which was a lot of people. They know why they should pray. They know the purpose of life. They know all these beautiful things. But then when they get attacked and somebody asks them a question about Prophet Muhammad they don't know how to respond. Why did Prophet Muhammad marry a nine-year-old, Aisha? Was he, you know, uh, he liked children? Well, now he can respond, alhamdulillah. Go back to the episode of the wives. I explain, alhamdulillah, by the will of Allah, everything regarding the wives. Now we can respond. And Prophet Muhammad does not need defending. Prophet Muhammad is praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the angels and the creation that we can't even hear. Allah is telling us in the Quran. Allah and his angels praise Prophet Muhammad So all you who believe, only the believers, see, Allah is addressing just the believers. Praise him and send salam upon him. Our Prophet, our Prophet does not need defending, but it is our right to educate people. It's He's our Prophet, alhamdulillah. We're proud. Oh my God, we're so proud. Wallahi. That we have such a perfection of a human being to follow and to be our role model. So yes, the least we can do is when someone say anything wrong about him or take anything out of context, we can respond. We're not going to be quiet. We're not going to be silenced. And this is not a political thing at all. I'm talking about even in a social gathering. When somebody asks you something about Prophet Muhammad now you know what to say. It's very, very simple. Very simple. So, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I think we achieved that. The con- the co- Again, the quote-unquote controversies, we addressed all of them. Alhamdulillah. And I'm so happy that we were able to do that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, keep us steadfast. And now we know how to love him more because of his mannerisms. 
You know, now we can love him more. Those who didn't know Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu couldn't love him. You can't. How? Yes, he's the one who delivered to us the Quran. He's the one who struggled. But you don't know anything else about him. How would you love someone you don't know them, right? So now, alhamdulillah, we can say that we know a lot about the mannerisms of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, and that allows us to love him even more. But today's episode is more practical. Everything else is practical as well, but today's is critical in my opinion and more practical. All the other reasons are very practical. Again, defending the Prophet and explaining to people, uh, loving him more. This is critical stuff. But to me, today's episode is a little bit more practical for one reason. If we apply what we learn from Prophet Muhammad into our daily lives, we will have a beautiful life and a beautiful hereafter. This would lead us to a beautiful hereafter. And we can live our lives in more of a peaceful way, of a more of more of a righteous way, you know, without struggling too much. And we will talk about that in a second. Uh, but th- I just wanted to, I know this, this is, I think this was the longest introduction I've ever given, but it was necessary because we're, Literally at the end of, of the season. Uh, I, again, one more episode left. But I had to tell you guys why did we do this season in the first place. Now let's get into what did we learn from Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. We will start by the most obvious, most significant thing. His love and faith towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always comes first when it comes to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And it should be the case with us too. We always talk about this. Allah comes first. Allah comes first. If you're doing something, if you're working on something, and prayer time comes. Now you have a window. I'm not saying you have to pray ASAP. It will be better if you pray ASAP. As soon as you hear the adhan or your phone, you know, uh, you hear the adhan on your phone or you know that, you know, uh, it's for example, the prayer time. But you still have a window, which is totally, you know, okay to pray. Do not pray after time. Do not pray late prayers. Pray on time. That's a form of putting Allah first. You know, you're thinking about Allah first. Wake up. The first thing you say in the morning is what? Alhamdulillah, nishur. Oh, thanks to Allah. I mentioned this before briefly, but now I'm going to, I'm just giving you examples. Uh, the moment you open your eyes And you can get used to this Wallahi alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah I'm so used to it That it's the first thing That I utter when I wake up Alhamdulillah This is all by the will of Allah You say Alhamdulillah All thanks to Allah Who resurrected me Ahyana After we were dead Because technically When you're asleep This is called the minor death By the way When you're the, This is actually Prophet Muhammad told us This is a hadith Sleeping Is part of death because actually our souls leave our body. They leave our body, by the way. But there's a little string. They don't completely leave our body. There's a little string between our souls when we're asleep and our bodies. And it's up to Allah. Look at this. It's up to Allah to put back our souls into our body or not. Because that's why some people die when they're asleep. Because Allah cuts that string and does not allow the soul to come back to the body. For the majority, alhamdulillah, Allah allows the bodies to come. By the way, souls need... Can you imagine how crazy this sounds? 
and how magnificent this sounds. Souls need permission to come back to our bodies while we're asleep from Allah. So if Allah does not give the permission, you're not waking up. Subhanallah. So when you're awake, the first thing you should say, and it's a very beautiful dua, Oh, alhamdulillah, thanks to Allah who resurrected me after I was dead and we eventually going to go back to him. Alhamdulillah, All thanks to Allah who resurrected me after I was dead because you technically were dead. It was part of death when you were asleep. It's beautiful dua. You should, you know, uh, repeat it. But anyway, this is a sign of Allah should be on your mind all the time. Prophet Muhammad is a pure manifestation of that. Come on. Prophet Muhammad missed two prayers in his entire life. Two prayers in his entire life for a very good reason. And by the way, Allah let him miss those prayers so we can learn that it's okay to miss prayers for valid reasons. By the way, this was only a manifestation and an example for us so we don't freak out. Imagine Prophet Muhammad never missed a prayer. We were be doomed if we miss one prayer because that means it's not allowed. But for valid reasons, like for example, oversleeping is a valid reason. So if you oversleep, if you actually intend to pray, for example, the noon prayer, the dhuhr prayer, and you slept before the adhan, and you slept all the way until asr prayer. Now, let's say that you were planning on praying on time, but you were too exhausted, you were, you were tired, whatever, you did not, you couldn't help it. Allah will forgive you. As soon as you wake up, you make istighfar, you repent to Allah, and you make wudu and you pray first the, 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 the prayer that you missed, in this example, the noon prayer, then you continue on with the asr prayer. This is allowed. And the second type, uh, or the second thing that, you know, that, that's okay, that is allowed for you to miss the prayers for, is the complete, uh, when you completely forget. When you get busy-minded, which is called in Arabic sahu. Sahu means when you completely, you know, you get busy-minded, sincerely busy-minded, not by playing video games or watching a, a movie or with work. No, like you're planning, I'm praying, I'm going to pray, I'm going to make wudu, and I'm going to pray right now. And for any reason, you didn't postpone. Again, that's my point. You did not postpone. You just completely forgot. This happens to people sometimes. It happened to me many times. You are excused. So as soon as you remember, make istighfar again, repent, make wudu, and pray right away. And the two incidents that the Prophet ﷺ missed his prayers were this and that. The first time, during uh, uh, the battle of the trench. It was during the battle of the trench when uh, Prophet Muhammad ﷺ missed the Asr prayer. Because they were at war. That was during wartime. You know, and they couldn't, the, the, the siege, you know, of the battle of the trench was so difficult and so, you know, hard that they just completely forgot to pray Asr. And the Prophet was so upset about missing the prayer more than the siege. Can you imagine? And again, it shows you again and again, Prophet Muhammad kept Allah's first. He's in a battlefield. People are attacking Medina. And what is what makes him so upset? Missing Asr prayer. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Subhanallah. It shows you how Prophet Muhammad uh, you know, put Allah for And we're going to talk about the prayers in a little bit. And the second prayer that Prophet Muhammad missed was a Fajr prayer and they overslept. So basically, uh, they were in an expedition and then uh, Prophet Muhammad asked who would 
you know, stay awake because there was no alarms then. You know, there was no alarm clock. There was no phones or anything like that. They had to wake up, you know, someone had to wake them up. And they usually are awake, but they were, you know, traveling. So they asked who would, you know, stay awake to wake us up for Fajr. So Bilal, you know, we know Bilal. He said, I will do it. And, uh, and then Bilal fell asleep as well. So all the companions are depending on Bilal to wake him up, uh, including the Prophet ﷺ. So they all went to sleep, knowing, okay, Bilal is going to wake us up when Fajr time comes. Uh, but Bilal also fell asleep, so they all missed Fajr. They woke up after the sunrise, which that means they missed the Fajr prayer. And then uh, the Prophet ﷺ went to Bilal and he asked him, Oh, Bilal, what, what happened? And then Bilal said, what? Whoever, ca- oh Prophet of Allah, the one who caused you to fall asleep, caused me to fall asleep as well. Meaning, I couldn't help it. And the Prophet ﷺ, you know, uh, said, it's fine, it's okay, it's allowed. And they all made wudu and they prayed after time. And that gives us these two rulings. If you oversleep or if you legitimately, for a legitimate reason, completely forget about prayers, you're, it's, it's, you're not sinful. You know, again, if you miss a prayer, knowing that you missed it or you're being lazy, then you are sinful, you should repent. And you know, uh, and all these things. But the other, these two cases specifically, this is when Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu you know, did not uh, pray on time, which shows us Allah comes first. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu always thought about Allah's commands, fulfilling Allah's commands. Remember on Taif when he was, you know, when they threw rocks at him and he was bleeding. What did he care about? Remember when he went to that mountain bleeding from head to toe. What did he care about? What was he concerned with? He said what? Oh Allah, I hope that you're not angry at me. He thought that Allah was punishing him for something. And that's all what got him so scared. He was so worried that Allah is mad at him. That he, you know, that was some sort of a punishment. That he, that's all he thought about. Again, Allah comes first. He didn't care about him bleeding everywhere. No. He didn't say, why did, I, why did you do this Allah? Why? And that brings us to another point, which is trusting in Allah. Always trust in Allah's verdict. Prophet Muhammad always trusted in Allah. And then that, that's part of his faith. You know, Prophet Muhammad always trusted in Allah, and that was a big part of his faith. You know, he didn't care about anything that was happening to him, he cared about pleasing Allah first. And us as believers, we should care about pleasing Allah first all the time. That's our priority. Not pleasing people, not pleasing f- even family members, not ple- pleasing loved ones, pleasing Allah and pleasing Allah alone. That's our priority. Then comes, you know, pleasing family. And if, if it ever contradicts, you pick Allah. Always, all the time. There's no even question about that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is relying on Allah, yet doing the work. We mentioned this numerous times, but I'm going to, again, uh, focus on it uh, now. Prophet Muhammad knew he was being victorious because Allah is on his side, right? Did that stop him from doing the work? No, not once we see him in his lifetime saying, oh, Allah will give us victory. It's okay, you guys don't, just, just sit tight. Don't worry about it. No, never done this. During the battles, what did he do? He would send scouts, he would send spies as if he's on his own, even though he knows 100% that Allah will give him victory. 
And the only times, you know, when, when, when they had stressful times, like for example, d- during the Battle of Uhud, there was a reason. There was a wisdom why the Muslims were defeated at the end, which is technically, again, not an actual defeat, but some people call it a defeat, you know, during the Battle of Uhud. And it was for a wisdom and Prophet Muhammad Wasallam trusted the wisdom of Allah. You know, so he relied on Allah completely when it comes to the results. Yet he did the work and he did the best he could do. It's, again, he, it's not like he, you know, he did half the work. Oh, you know, let's just do this. And, and Allah is Allah. He's going to, you know, grant us victory. No, no. He did what he could. You know, the most that he could do, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam always did. And then he trusted in Allah when it comes to the result. And again, as Muslims, we have to do that. You know, prophets are messengers. Moses had to hit the, the Red Sea with his staff so that Red Sea would split in half. He had to, why did he have to do that? Allah is the one who split the sea. Do you think he needed Moses to hit the, 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 the ground with his staff? So there's, no, but it shows you do the work. You have to do something. You have to do something. Us as believers, we have to do the work and rely on Allah when it comes to the result and then trust in Allah when it comes to the result. That's another thing. So if something bad happens, what seems bad to you as a result, you don't get angry at Allah. This is not an attitude of a believer. You can't get angry at Allah. You can't say, why did you do this, Allah? Oh, why did you cause this, oh Allah? No. No. Trust that Allah has the ultimate wisdom that you do not have. And again, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam manifested this in his life. When things that happened that seemed bad at first, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala later on, what is the biggest example? The treaty of Hudaybiyah, the peace treaty with Quraysh. What happened during the peace treaty? It seemed on the surface that it's a defeat for the Muslims. All the companions, remember the incident when Umar ibn al-Khattab was like, uh, you know, got so angry and he got out of, you know, out of, uh, out of control when he was upset that he thought it was a defeat and all the companions thought it was a defeat. Who stayed firm? Remember Prophet Muhammad He was like, you guys need to do this. And they all were like, what just happened? Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam trusted fully in Allah's process. He trusted that sometimes This is in the Quran You might hate something so much But it's really good for you And you might love something so much And it's evil for you Prophet Muhammad knew this And he was the literally the only one Who was not upset about the peace treaty And guess what happened later on It turned out it was a complete victory To the Muslims Complete victory to the Muslims Again Trust in Allah's judgment. You might not see the wisdom now. You might not see ever, by the way. You might see it in your lifetime, and you might not see ever. Still, as long as you did what you have to do, you did the right thing, you made dua to Allah, trust Allah when it comes to the result. Trust Him completely. So that's another thing we learned from Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Also, still regarding the incident of, of Hudaybi of the peace treaty, Learn what Umar ibn al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, told us, which is what? Trust in Allah over everything. Meaning what? And he didn't say, actually he said it in a a different way. He said what? 
He said, accuse your own intellect and your own understanding of things before you accuse Islam or you accuse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. And that applies on the Prophet and what he did. He did not accuse Allah Oh, He did not have any doubts. And us Muslims, we talked about this before, but I, I, I'm never going to stop talking about it. We cannot get even tiny bit close to the wisdom of Allah when it comes to wisdom, to the you know intelligence of Allah. Allah is supreme in everything, right? To the, knowing the future, that's something we can never know. So when you accuse Allah or Allah's command that you find bizarre somehow for you in the Quran or in the Sunnah, and you don't agree with it because guess what? We're in 2021, uh, things change. Allah knows this. Do you think Allah sent the Quran and he did not think of the fact that it will be there until the end of time? Do you think Allah does did not know the future when he sent the Quran so you can... Cause it bothers me a lot when a lot of Muslims say, well, it's 2021 now. So, yeah, some of these things don't apply. What are you, you're, you're accusing Allah of not knowing the future. You know, again, you accuse your own intellect. Your own intellect, accuse it of whatever you're misunderstanding before you accuse Allah. You can never accuse Allah because of... There's no comparison. You can't, you can't, don't think that you're too smart for the religion. Don't make that mistake. Prophet Muhammad wasallam, the smartest man, the most blessed man, the most honored man on the face of the earth, never thought he was too smart for the religion. Never questioned a verse that was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never questioned a verse. Never questioned a command or a verdict. Never questioned a ruling. Who are we to question? And I'm not saying we should submit blindly. No, Allah gave us enough of an intellectual uh, points in the religion for us to ponder and you know think about and make sense of. Allah didn't just say, "Oh, believe in the weirdest things," and I'm just you have to believe, otherwise you're going to hellfire. No, Allah. I, what, subhanAllah, one of the most beautiful things about Islam And it's the most logical religion ever It's the most logical thing, period It's the most logical thing, period Everything about And, and I'm not saying this because you know I'm, I'm teaching Islam I'm saying this because I believe in it 100% Islam tells us that the only truth in life is what? Death And life is death Al-Yaqeen, Allah calls it the ultimate truth. Al-Yaqeen, Allah calls it the, the death in the Quran. Go ask an atheist right now. What is the only thing? You can deny God, okay, no problem, I get it. You can deny uh, uh, religion, okay. Can you deny death? That's why Allah said it's the ultimate truth. Because everyone, no one can deny death. No one. Because it happens in front of us. It is the ultimate truth. Think about it. Now, for Muslims, Allah is the ultimate truth as well, even above everything. But when it comes, look at Allah's, subhanAllah, ultimate wisdom. When you tell people worldwide who believe in Allah or not, what is the ultimate truth? They all agree on one thing, death. We're all going to die. Now, some people differ. What's going to happen after death? Alhamdulillah, Islam tells us what happens after death. And inshallah, this is one of the things we will talk about in the next season, inshallah. We're going to talk about the whole topic of death, what happens exactly during the process of death, 
and after death. And I know I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just I got excited for a second. But inshallah, we will tackle that as well. But my point is, Islam tells us things that make sense. Islam was not meant for a specific type of people or a specific group of people. Islam was meant for everyone. Everyone. You cannot deny that. So anyway, so that's another thing we can learn from Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Let's move on to now another aspect, which is actual mannerisms. Now, that's how he believed and how he acted when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, his passion when it came to Islam, we should share the same thing. We should have the same feelings and emotions and beliefs when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will make us better humans, wallahi. It will, inshallah. Now, let's talk about something else, which is patience. Let's talk about patience. Prophet Muhammad wasallam manifested incredible amount of patience you know whether when uh, he was persecuted or uh, when he was exiled or you know when on on a personal level when he lost loved ones or when he was hungry for days and days or when with poverty or with you know with, with many things many things prophet muhammad you know was bearing stuff that we can't bear today as human beings and he was a human being remember yet he is our role model when it comes to patience why look at l- let me give you a few examples that we talked about in, in during the, the 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 biography of the prophet number one prophet muhammad was tested with being alienated by his own family when he announced his prophethood Remember back in the old, you know, the, the the first episodes of the season, his family hated him. You know, they isolated him from everybody. They made fun of him. And then what happened? It didn't. Okay, he was bearing that and he was being patient. Did it end? It got worse. He started being persecuted. Remember when they tried to choke him when he was praying? Physically tried to kill him. And remember when they threw the carcass of the camel? that they sacrificed on top of him, that he couldn't even stand up from how heavy it was, physically persecuted and mentally persecuted. And he was patient. Then he lost his wife, and he lost his most beloved uncle, Abu Talib. And he was patient. Then he went to Ta'if. And then they threw rocks at him. He was bleeding. And this was within, by the way, a very short period when he lost his, his wife Khadija, may Allah be pleased with her, and when he lost his uncle. This was very short. He went to Ta'if and they did the same, you know, they, they did what they did to him. He was patient. And then what? He lost, and, and, and this is throughout his life, he lost six of his children, by the way. He had seven children. He lost six of his seven children. Imagine, he buried six of his seven children. The only one who outlived him was Fatima. And she died, you know, uh, with a short period of time after he, he died. Can you imagine a father burying six of his seven children? How would that feel? He was patient. He stayed days and the, most of his life, he didn't eat two full meals. He, didn't, he never ate to his fill. This is reported by his own wives, by the way, and the companions. And he was patient. He didn't say, why Allah, you're testing me that way. By the way, he was the most tested. 
and we know this from you know theology even that the most tested people on earth are the prophets and messengers and prophet muhammad was very well t- we know how he was tested we have it documented never ate to his fill the best of mankind never ate his fill and he was patient and this was allah's test the more they're tested and the more they're patient, I'm talking about prophets and messengers, and us as in general, the more the ranks uh, are elevated. So if you're tested and you're patient, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will either expiate from your sins or elevate your rank. It depends. Prophet Muhammad didn't have that much sins to expiate. He didn't have sins. He would, he, again, like we said, prophets and messengers made uh, mistakes, not sins, innocent mistakes. Right? They didn't commit actual sins like we did because they were the best of the human beings. So there's too, not, not too much to expiate, right? So he would elevate the ranks. And this was a beautiful way because think about it. What was the main reason that Prophet Muhammad was very patient? He, number one, he knew it was coming from Allah. He knew, he knew he was being tested and he wanted to, you know, be patient with the test and pass the test. But above all, this life is not the standard. He knew this very well. He knew this very well. And we'll talk about this in a second. He knew this very well. One time, Umar ibn Khattab went to uh, Prophet Muhammad to wake him up. And then Prophet when he woke up, he had actually uh, tree branches as his bed sheets. Can you imagine? MashaAllah, we have the comfortable sheets and the comfortable mattresses now. He had tree branches and when he woke up he was not wearing his upper shirt uh, so Omar saw the marks of the tree branches on the Prophet's back he saw the marks on his back and he started crying so the Prophet said what happened why are you crying he said so you have Caesar the kings of Rome and the emperor of Rome and the emperor of Persia and the emperor of this and the king of that they're living in such, you know, a life of luxury, comfortable beds, very huge bedrooms and, you know, castles and, and, and mansions and so forth. And you are the best of mankind. And you're living like this. And then the Prophet actually got irritated and he said, did you forget the whole purpose of this? Who cares about life? You're going to live for how long? 60, sometimes 50, 60, 70, 80 years, then you're dead. What did you take with you? Nothing but your deeds. These mansions won't come with you, won't go with you to the grave. The Prophet knew this very well, and we should know it as well. That's another lesson to learn from Prophet Muhammad. He looked at the bigger picture, which was the hereafter. Because the hereafter is everlasting. As, as much as this is very difficult for a lot of people to comprehend to that they might live forever, I mean, not might, for sure, they're going to live forever, for eternity, whether, now here's the, the, the issue, whether in hellfire or in, in paradise, inshallah, hopefully we'll be the ones to live in paradise for eternity. A lot of people can't comprehend that. A lot of people are like, how am I not never going to age? And this is like the movies. And yeah, Allah's capable of anything. This life is just a bridge. To pass it to the hereafter. It's a temporary bridge. Prophet Muhammad knew this. So he told him. He told Umar. Let them have this life. And inshallah we shall get the afterlife. That's the big win right there. 
the afterlife. Look at the bigger picture. Let them live this life for how many years? 70, 80 years? Great. Let them enjoy. And that's that's another thing that, you know, we, we can. some people have a problem when, when they look at uh, uh, non-Muslims and, and, and atheists and, 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 and those billionaires and people who hate Islam and people who attack Islam and the enemies of Islam and all these things. And they say, these people live a life of luxury and they're billionaires and they, they're filthy rich and it's just unbelievable. How is Allah allowing this? Well, if this life had a value in the sight of Allah, he wouldn't allow it. Actually, there's an authentic hadith, which I love. The Prophet ﷺ told us in an authentic hadith what? If this life was worth a wing of a fly, a mosquito, a fly, in the sight of Allah, Allah would never give a disbeliever a sip of water. Think about it for a second. Think about this hadith. I know some, some of you might get confused about the wording. So the Prophet is saying that this life is worth nothing in the sight of Allah. Not even a wing of a fly. Because if it was worth anything in the sight of Allah, he would have punished the disbelievers on the spot in this life. He would have never given him even a sip of water. But Allah is allowing them to live, to enjoy life. If they did good deeds, because they don't do it in the name of Islam, for the sake of Allah, they do it for their own benefits. Let them enjoy life for it. But in the hereafter, oh, that's the problem. This is when the believers, inshallah, will rise. It's a big difference. You as a believer should think like that. Don't, t- this life is not the end all. Don't focus too much. Now, that doesn't mean don't live your life. Absolutely not. You are supposed to. Allah says, do not forget your share from this life. Meaning what? Live your life in the halal way and enjoy it. Have a family, have a career. This is none of this. Don't get me wrong. None of this is against Islam. But don't make it your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal is to please Allah and to go to the hereafter. After that, do whatever you want as long as it's confined in a halal you know, place and, and, and halal uh, you know, parameters. Get, get married, have a family, have a career, travel, do this, go out, you know, have fun. But don't forget about Allah. Allah comes first. Because that's what's going to last. Your deeds towards Allah and towards the hereafter. None of this you will take with you. Think about it. The billionaires who die, where do they go? They get buried in the dirt. Buried in the dirt. That's the ending of every single human being. This is it. This is, this is all what it's about. Death comes to all of us and makes us all equal. They, do, they take nothing with them. Do you think what a billionaire will take uh, all their wealth and then when they meet Allah, they're going to bargain? Allah's the one who gave him the wealth. Allah does not get tempted. Like, you know, unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, for example, Christianity, they say that Jesus, because they call Jesus God, right? They, they say that he was tempted by Satan, which is preposterous. Yeah, Jesus could get tempted because he's a human being. Right? I, I, no, we're not saying that he was tempted. We don't believe in these stories, but I'm saying... If you're, you're, if if someone could get tempted, it's because they're human beings. Allah never gets tempted by anything, let alone by His own creation, right? So my point is, you cannot bargain with Allah if your deeds were horrible. No matter who you are, no matter what your status was in this life, Allah gave you all this. You'll take nothing. None of it you'll take when you're buried. The Prophet ﷺ 
That's exactly what he told Omar. Let these kings and, and, and Caesars and emperors, let them have this life. So what? It's temporary. And let us have the hereafter, inshallah. So as believers, let us have the hereafter. Think about this. Now, and that derived that the, the, the patience of the Prophet was patient because he knew this is not the end all. So what if he gets hungry? So what if he's, you know, a little poor? Well, he's actually really poor, not just a little. So what? He didn't care because he knew this was not the end. And we should think the same way as well. Another thing is his humbleness. Prophet Muhammad was so humble and that teaches, unfortunately, you have good people, good scholars, good believers who are not humble. Some people feel that they're better than others. And as believers, we cannot think like that. Because you don't know. Who's better than you? Who? And we're talking about when it comes to Muslims. You don't know the relationship between the person in front of you and Allah. He might be way better than you in the sight of Allah. And that's what counts. Your status in the sight of Allah is what counts. That's your status. Not who you are in this life. Not your job. Not you know your lineage. None of that matters. What matters is your deeds and your relationship with Allah. So you don't know what this person does in secret that makes him or her a better person than you are. Don't ever judge people and think that you are better than them. That's not the attitude of a believer. Now, the Prophet was the best of mankind. We know that and he knows that. He was told by Allah, yet he never acted like it. He never like acted out of arrogance. He never said, guys, I'm I'm the best. So be be aware how you treat me. No. He used to have conversations and arguments and debates with, you know, with his wives. Sometimes with the companions, but not in a disrespect for the companions always. And we know this from all of the, you know, the, the, the whole story, uh, life story of the Protestant. They loved him and they respected him so much. But guess what? Prophet Muhammad وسلم, never asked for it. He was given that respect automatically from them. It came spontaneously from them, naturally from them. He never said, oh, by the way, you guys know I'm the best of mankind. You need to know how to treat me well. No. He used to sit down with the companions, laugh and joke with them and talk with them. He's one of them. Even though we all know, they all know, he knows he's better than them, but he never showed it. He never showed it. And this is the ultimate humbleness. This is something that, subhanAllah, you cannot... Like, remember the incident that, you know, uh, the Prophet ﷺ used to, uh, wanted to share, one of the spoils of war was, I think, a camel. And, you know, they, uh, it was Ali ibn Abi Talib and another companion wanted to gift that camel to the Prophet ﷺ. It was between the three of them when they were, you know, dividing the spoils of war. There was a camel left and it was Prophet Muhammad ﷺ and Ali ibn Abi Talib and another companion who were left. So they both agreed, we're going to give the, to the, give the camel to the Prophet ﷺ. What did he say? No, we'll share it. Meaning, we'll ride it, we'll, we'll take turns when riding it, and if we ever decide to you know, sacrifice it and eat its meat, we're going to divide the meat. But then they said, no, 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 we don't need it, we're good. So what did he say? He said, listen, I am in more need of the deeds of walking, because we know that walking to pray for example or to do something for the sake of Allah is more you know you get more rewards the more effort you do the more rewards you get obviously so when you walk towards that you get more rewards than just sitting on a camel right 
It's, it's, it's logical, makes sense. So he's saying, I, you guys are not in, uh, you know, in, uh, you guys are, you know, not in more need of these rewards than I am. I need it as much as you. Look at this. We're talking about the one that Allah chose to be the final message. He's saying, guys, I need those rewards as much as you do. Even though we know pretty well he's the best of mankind. He has the highest level of paradise guaranteed, inshallah. Yet, he doesn't say, oh, you know what? You're right. I don't need it. I'm good. You guys take it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, he doesn't say, you know what? You guys are right. I don't need the extra rewards. I'll take the camel. He doesn't say that. He said, I'm unneeded of those rewards as much as you do. And, and then t- to also make it easier for them to, you know, accept the whole, uh, you know, sharing idea. He said, and you guys are not stronger than me. I'm as strong as you are. So don't think that you're giving me the camel because, you know, I'm too weak. I'm as strong as you are. So they all actually agreed to share it because the Prophet technically put him on the spot in the most polite, humble way possible. That's our role model. Not because, you know, when you think you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a leader in something and talking to a regular human being, you like talk to them in a specific way, in a demeaning way, and, you know, you put them down. No. No. Sit down with the poor. The Prophet said the best way to do charity is to sit down and talk to the one you're giving charity to. Don't think you're better than them. Don't think you're better than them. Prophet Muhammad when he used to give charity, again, he didn't have much to give, but when he used to give, he would sit down with the poor. And we should do too. That's another thing we should learn from Prophet Muhammad Do not think that you're better than others. You never know who is better. Only Allah does. Another thing that we should learn from Prophet Muhammad is mercy. Oh, we need it so much. To have mercy on one another. This is something, come on. Look at the incident of At-Ta'if. I always go back to it because it was just a beautiful incident. Prophet Muhammad is bleeding from head to toe. He's in mental distress, physical distress. And then the angel of the mountains comes down to him. And he asks him, command me. Look at this. Command me and I will collapse the two mountains because the city of Ta'if was between two mountains. I'll collapse the two mountains on top of the city of Ta'if and I will just destroy it. It will be squashed. He was bleeding from head to toe. Like literally bleeding everywhere. And he was mentally humiliated. So if that was us, we would have been like, yeah, please, just get it over with. Those people, they don't deserve any mercy. But the Prophet said, no. I'll make dua that from them comes the best of Muslims. Mercy. Mercy. Another incident. Another incident. When Hind, remember Hind, the wife of Abu Sufyan, when she mutilated his uncle Al-Abbas, who he loved so much. And then during the Pledge of Allegiance, during, you know, uh, Quraysh accepting Islam, when he found out that that was Hind, he asked her, are you Hind? And she said, what? O Prophet of Allah, forgive, may Allah forgive you. What did he do? He moved on. 
This one mutilated his uncle in the worst way possible. In the most gruesome way possible. And I'm not going to even mention it. I mentioned it during the Battle of Uhud, what she did. I'm not going to mention it now. But just in the most gruesome way possible. And he saw what happened and he saw what she did. But guess what? Mercy. He showed her mercy. In another incident, during uh, the after the Battle of Khaybar, you know, the, the final uh, Jewish uh, standoff against the Muslims. What happened? Remember the woman who poisoned the lamb? She tried to kill the Prophet And that poison affected him. You know, later on, kept on affecting him. When he asked her, why did you do that? She said, you killed, my, well, not him physically, but like the Muslims killed my, you know, uh, my family. Not the whole family, but like I think uh, her husband and her father, something like that. So I wanted to retaliate. So I wanted to, you know, get back at you, you personally, because you're the leader of the Muslims. What did he say? I understand. Let her go. Showed her mercy. And then she was later on executed because she actually was able to kill one of the companions. So the Prophet when it came to his right, he forgave. When it came to him, he forgave her. He literally said, just go. Go, you're free. But then she had to be executed, you know, because she killed another uh, companion by poisoning as well. So yeah, mercy, show mercy. If you want to be shown mercy by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to show mercy to one another. Don't have hearts of made out of rocks. Because guess what? If you deny others mercy, Allah won't show you mercy. Oh, come on. Allah sees everything and records everything. We need mercy from Allah. We need it all the time in this life and in the afterlife. In the hereafter. We need it. So we better show it. If we can, of course. We're talking about if we're capable of showing it. We better show it to be able to receive it. And this is exactly what Prophet Muhammad وسلم, did. Also, Treating people with the, the character while having a conversation. This is something we need to learn from Prophet Muhammad He always had a light smile on his face. Always he was smiling in, in a very subtle way, not in a creepy way, of course, because some people, you know, in our lifetime would, you know, smile at you in a very weird way. No, Prophet Muhammad used to smile in a very beautiful and a subtle way. While he's talking to you, it makes you want to tell him more. This is what the companions actually reported. This is not just me speculating. It makes you want to keep talking to him. He's such a great listener. And you know, when he, uh, for example, if he's talking to someone and someone comes from his side or he's behind or whatever, he actually turns fully. He doesn't turn just his face. You know, think about it. If you're talking to someone and someone comes from your side, you just turn around with your face to them. Hey, what's up? How's everything? Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, out of respect and the etiquettes of, you know, having a social conversation, he would fully turn his body to talk to them. Beautiful sign of respect. So he would be smiling and he would have a very uh, calm voice, not a quiet voice. The Prophet Sallallahu voice was very well heard, but it was not too loud and it was not too quiet. He had a calm voice. A soothing voice that made, again, what do you expect from the perfect human being? 
it made you again want to keep talking to him, want to keep listening to him. So he was a great listener and he was a great talker as well. And this is, again, this is something we need to learn. We're not saying we're going to get to that level. Because again, this is the Prophet of Allah. But we need to try as much as we can to get to that level. Try. Try your best. Try to talk in a very calm way. Try to be respectful to people who are talking. Prophet Muhammad Wasallam never lost his temper. You know, the most he did when he was, I think it was, he was given the spells of war and someone, you know, was aggressive with him. His face turned red and he said, please just calm down. And then when someone says, oh, you better be fair. One of the, again, the, 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 the Bedouins, which they were known to be very harsh. The Prophet got irritated, not because of the argument, because he insinuated something against Allah's commands. Because when he said, be fair, Prophet Muhammad said what? Allah trusted me with the message of Islam, and you're not trusting me with dividing the spoils of war. This is now an indirect attack against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because basically you're saying, and this goes for those who say, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had, uh, he should not marry more than one. Or, you know, it was a bad thing for him to marry more than one. Or he shouldn't have went to war. or he sh- Allah allowed him to do so. That means that you are indirectly criticizing Allah's commands and Allah's allowing Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to do certain things. Same thing, that's what bothered the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When it comes to Allah... Prophet ﷺ does not have any, he can, there's no negotiation here. There's no tolerance. When it comes to Allah, no tolerance. But if somebody's attacking him, he is very merciful and very calm and collected and does not lose his temper. It was recorded by all the prophets. He was always calm. Again, remember the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. When everybody, the peace treaty with Quraysh, when everybody was losing their minds, every all the companions were losing their minds. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was the only one who was extremely calm, collected. He trusted in Allah, and when he was addressing the enemy at the time, the Quraysh were, were the enemy, he was very calm, even when he was addressing his enemies. Another thing, a beautiful thing we should learn from Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is honor. Oh boy, this is a big deal. Because Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu never betrayed anyone, including the enemies. And we talked about this. He never broke a treaty with an enemy. Never broke a treaty with an enemy. And if the enemy did something that broke the treaty, he would even, again, think about it. If I had a treaty with an enemy and the enemy broke the treaty, what's the next step? Okay, I'm going to attack you or I'm going to do something, a retaliation against you, right? No. Prophet Muhammad wasallam would warn them, you guys have broke the treaty. We're coming for you. A warning. A solid official warning. So when the enemy unofficially breaks the treaty, Prophet Muhammad makes sure that it's officially broken by announcing to the enemy that it's broken. And this is honor. Pure honor. Even with the enemy. One of the incidents, I don't know if we ever mentioned it or not, that people were going to during the Battle of Badr, there were Muslims who were going to join the Muslim army and they were captured by a group of, of the people, pagans from Quraysh. And then they asked the Muslims, are you Muslims? And then the Muslims were allowed to lie. So they said, no, we're not. So they said, okay, where are you going? And they said, well, we're just, you know, traveling and whatever. So they said, okay, we'll let you go on one condition. If you promise us that you will never fight with the Muslims against us. 
Now, they, in order for them to be spared, they had to give the promise. So they did. And then they went to the Prophet ﷺ and they told him what happened. Guess what the Prophet ﷺ did? He said, go back home. What? But we just promised the enemy. It's not a big deal. Prophet Muhammad ﷺ said, you gave a promise. Imagine. though We're talking about people coming to kill the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims. Yet the Prophet ﷺ said, if you gave him a promise, go, to the, go, go back to Medina. Go back home. You cannot fight in this battle. This is this incident took place during the Battle of Badr. Imagine. Come on. Come on. The ultimate honor you'll find in the Prophet. Nobody does this. Nobody does this. Prophet had so many authentic hadith regarding do not break treaties, do not betray countries that you're in. Talking about talking to the Muslims. If you are in a non-Muslim country, you're not allowed to betray that country. So, for example, if you're going, taking, getting a visa to visit any country, a non-Muslim country, you have to abide by the laws of that country if you, as long as you're in it. And if you're, for example, an immigrant, you, you left a Muslim country to a non-Muslim country, you have to abide by the rules and regulations as long as they're not attacking Islam, as long as there's not, for example, there's no ruling of you're not allowed to pray, then you should leave this country. If you can practice your religion safely in any country, you have to abide by the rules and regulations of that country. And this contradicts what you know Islamophobes and, and uh, ignorance claim regarding Islam. They say that Islam is trying to spread secretly in non-Muslim lands and they try to uh, you know enforce the Sharia. And no, Prophet Muhammad was very clear: if you live in a if you live in a non-Muslim country, you have to abide by the rules of that country. There's no debate here. It's as clear as, you know, as day. Prophet Muhammad ﷺ told us, honor the treaty. Now, in this case, the treaty is the visa, the green card, the citizenship, whatever you call it. This is called the treaty, by the way. This is called the covenant. You know, this is technically a, a formal treaty between you and the country that you're entering that basically you have to, you know, be safe uh, and do, do not try to harm uh, anyone in this country Do not try to, to harm the country itself And so forth This is the treaty You cannot break it When you're in a country Abide by its rules As long as it does not contradict with Islam And guess what Even if the rules contradict Islam Leave the country That's, the, that's all you could do If you can't practice your religion Safely in a country Leave Go to a better A more friendly country Or a Muslim country So you can practice your religion Again, we learn how to be honorable and trustworthy when it comes to Muslims and non-Muslims alike. This comes from Prophet Muhammad himself. And you know, again, like I said, there are many hadith. Prophet Muhammad told us also in a hadith, if you break the treaty or you harm a non, even a non-Muslim, this is explicitly in a hadith, you shall never smell the scent of paradise as a Muslim. If you on purpose break a treaty, if you know that you're plotting, or if you even agreed to a treaty and then later on change your mind and you betrayed the other party whether they were Muslim or not you won't smell the scent of paradise so go figure for those who say Muslims uh, could be treacherous no we can't by default our religion forbades us from being treacherous we have to be honorable to the furthest extent subhanallah generosity is another thing we learned from Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He did not have a lot to give, but he gave everything he had. 
everything he had. He gave it to the poor. Why? Because he knew. He did not want to be asked about what he had. He wanted to give it to the poor so he could get rewarded. Now, that does not mean that you should, as a Muslim, give everything you have. Islam doesn't tell us this. But give as much as you can. Be generous. Like Prophet Muhammad. So the Prophet used to actually take, you know, take off his own garment and give it to people who need it. His own clothes. Remember? We talked about this also before. That's how generous he was. Very generous, selfless. Learn to be selfless. Prophet Muhammad cried one time when he was praying. And then people asked him, why were you crying after the prayers? And people asked him, why, why were you crying? He said, I'm crying for the people who will come after me. The Muslims who will come after me. Talking about us, and the, the, the generations after, you know, the companions, those who won't see me, basically he's saying. Why? Because all they're going to get from me is the text. They won't be, I won't be there with them to guide them like I'm guiding you. He cared about us without seeing us. He cried for us without seeing us. Prophet Muhammad used to have swollen feet from standing in night prayer just so Allah would give him the blessings of interceding on our behalf on the Day of Judgment. If that's not selfless, what is? Seriously. A man who's standing in prayers for hours until his feet literally got swollen. Every, this happens every single night. Why? Because he wants to be worthy of that one special dua, that one special supplication, that one special prayer, that one special request on the Day of Judgment. That the old prophets, by the way, all prophets and messengers, each of, each of them had one special request from Allah. And it will be granted ASAP. They all used up their that one request during their lifetimes. Except for Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu He's saving it to the hereafter. And what is that request? That Muslims eventually will go to paradise. Because by the way, that was never given before. Like Muslims could have easily stayed in, you know, in eternity in hellfire if they were horrible human beings. But the fact that if you uttered the testimony of faith, you believed in Allah and His Messenger, sincerely, and you were a horrible human being, Allah will eventually forgive you. This was never given. This is only going to happen because of that one special request. Also, Prophet Muhammad will be the one who will have something called the grand intercession. We'll talk about that in detail when we get to the Day of Judgment. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will be standing for 50,000 years waiting on the Day of Judgment for the actual judgment. We'll be just waiting. And people will get so anxious, people will get so tired of waiting that they will run to all prophets and messengers. And they will ask him, please ask Allah to start the judgment. Even including disbelievers, by the way. They can't wait anymore. The, 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 you know, anxiety is killing them. No one will want to do it because no one wants to talk to Allah on the Day of Judgment except for who? Prophet Muhammad He will start judgment for everyone. Selfless. That's what you could call Prophet Muhammad Now, we can keep talking for hours and hours about what can we learn from Prophet Muhammad and we, it will never be enough. You know, we can learn so much from him. So much from him. And let's take what we learned from him 
and try our best to, you know, apply it in our daily lives. Wallahi will make our lives better. Now he was gentle with his family. Be gentle with your family. He was kind to people. Be kind to people. He was generous. Be generous. He was patient. Be patient. He was merciful. Be Try your best. And I should try too. And we all should try to get as much as we can to, you know, to the level of the Prophet Even though we can't. There's a, there's a reason why he is the messenger of Allah. But we're supposed to try our best. And um, the final thing that I'm going to talk about, and this will be, you know, uh, the last thing for this episode, which is praying the five daily prayers was the most critical thing that Prophet Muhammad وسلم, ever done. Very critical. After, of course, the revelation, giving us the revelation, praying five times a day is the most critical act of worship. The Prophet وسلم, is the pure manifest. He never missed a prayer. Except for those two that we talked about. Otherwise, he never missed a prayer. He was a disciplined manifestation of praying five times a day. He would pray on time. He would pray, you know, he didn't care when he was traveling. He would, of course, shorten the prayers and all these things. But he would pray on time. And this is critical for us as Muslims. We have to pray. Do not take praying five times a day lightly. This is the most important act of worship that you could ever do after taking the shahada or taking the testimony of faith. The most important thing. The Prophet tells us that if our prayers are not good, meaning if we were distracted, if we prayed one day and another day not, the rest of our deeds won't be good. Won't, Allah won't even look at them. That's how important prayers are. So keep up with your prayers uh, at least the five daily prayers. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala join us with Prophet Muhammad وسلم, in the highest levels of paradise. And I hope, again, this was a conclusion of what we've learned when it came to the mannerisms and the character of the Prophet. وسلم, I hope that we could learn a thing or two. Uh, and inshallah, next episode will be the final episode in the season when we will talk about. You know, the very emotional death of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.